Accountability is essentially communication ownership. It can be an internal agreement that reveals itself in an outward way through our behavior, impact, and results. It can be feedback that is made more powerful when we enlist others in our growth. It can be something that initially conjures trepidation in some, but strength and confidence in others. In this episode, we're checking in with accountability. Join us. Hi, Dave. Hey, Alex. How are you? Good. How about yourself? I'm doing very well, thank you. So in this episode, we're talking about accountability. Mm-hmm. And given that we're putting ourselves out there in, in these podcasts, and in particular about communication, what's been interesting for me is that I keep finding myself keeping a pulse on my, my accountability to demonstrate these ideas, um, the, the ideas that you and I are talking about. And um, in that, it makes me think of authenticity and integrity. And, you know, there's a distinction between the two of those two things. And they've been well explained in some of our favorite podcasts. Um, But I bring it up because authenticity and integrity are driving forces. And in my mind, they're driving forces uh, for, for accountability. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I, I totally agree with you there, Alex. And this was, you know, this was one of those topics as we were talking about it. uh, You know, I thought about, you know, leaning into our previous conversation about legacy and that this is an additional layer to that. Yes. You know, it's driven by, you know, kind of an internal and external dialogue uh, and, and how we show up for those in our wake. Mm, yeah. And I, I got to start with a story that, uh, to me is kind of the epitome of seeing someone's accountability play out. <laughs> I, I do those obstacle course races, right? Mm-hmm. So they're anywhere from three to 10 miles and you've got somewhere between 20 and 30 obstacles that you're going through. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And for each, each obstacle, if you don't successfully achieve the goal of that obstacle, there is a 30 burpee penalty. So you kind of go over to this (laughs) burpee pen and you have to do 30 burpees. And so there was an obstacle I didn't accomplish successfully. And so I went over to the burpee pen and there was a woman uh, there next to me and we started to do our burpees. And they have these guides, uh, you know, kind of walking through the course. And one of the, you know, guides had come over towards us and just kind of checking in on us. And this woman had immediately you know, reached out to him and she was like, can I ask you something? Why, why do I have to do 30 burpees like him? I mean, we're obviously different sizes, you know, some of the other obstacles seem to be lesser, less challenging, Mm -hmm. but every time, you know, we don't achieve these goals, I have to do the same amount of burpees as the person next to me. And I think there should, you know, couldn't there be some kind of scale, you know, basically? Well, and that, and that's, you know, for the listeners who don't know what a burpee is, uh, let's just say that it's it's a form of body weight exercise that is mm-hmm. really, <laughs> can be really challenging. And, and, and folks generally 
uh, don't have a good time doing them. Right, right, exactly. That's why it's a penalty. <laughs> right, right. And but what was what was so interesting in that moment was the guide. His reaction to her. He said to her, he goes, "Oh no, ma'am. You know the the thirty burpee is a standard that we set as an organization because we mm-hmm. felt that it 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 lended itself to." you know, challenge people to successfully accomplish the obstacles. And if you can't, yes, that's a standard. I'm not here to, to count the number of burpees you do. That's not, that's not my job. Right? That's ultimately up to you. What I will say though, is that at the end of the day, you're going to finish this, you're going to get your medal and you're going to go home and you're going to look yourself in the mirror and you're going to say, did I successfully accomplish the the full goal right Right. you know obstacles and penalties and the look she gave him was both exhausted as well (laughs) as you son of a gun you called me out on 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 my own accountability and she to her credit did all 30 of those burpees (laughs) that's a great example of accountability and she probably felt better about having accomplished that than she might have if if the day ended and she you, you know, had some kind of audible that she ran to not do the, the burpees, right? Right, right. And so I, I lead with that because it was a perfect display of both that internal conversation that she had going on as well as how it, how it you know, showed up in an external dialogue. And, right. And that's, I, I kind of like looking at accountability uh, in the, with those two components. And so I'd like to start by talking a little bit about that internal dialogue. Okay. Okay. And, and even within an internal dialogue, I have external voices that I listen to and I listen to them often. And it really begins with this sense of having a solid, positive, productive, moral foundation or code. And I've, I've said a number of times to, to various people is that you need not look any further than the mirror for the best accountability partner. And I truly believe this to be the case, right? We know ourselves better than anybody else knows us. For sure. And, and, and part of that is the, the internal dialogue that's constantly going on in our head. And so, you know, adding these internal voices, it allows me access to a conversation with those that I'm simply looking to impress the most. Right, right. And when I think about what that conversation looks like, when I close my eyes and and I look around the table, I, I also overlay this, I'll call it my moral compass. And I think a moral compass has many different components but for me it's driven by a few people and the two people I think about the most are my daughters so I've got two daughters and one of them the older of the two she seems to be my needle that points right or wrong (laughs) so Mm -hmm. it's you know like so when there is something that I come across and I think to myself, all right, 
how should I approach this? What's right or wrong? Her face immediately conjures up in my mind. That seems like a pretty powerful image. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Right. And again, I go back to who am I simply trying to impress? And she's right. one of those people. The other person is obviously my other daughter. And while she's a little bit younger, she is, her emotions are always accessible to her. And they're always, uh, you know, they're always right below the surface. And, mm -hmm. But what she also does is she has such a keen sense of logic and street smarts and, you know, just, you know, common sense. And so she runs you know, the, you know, she runs the perpendicular access of the emotion and the logic. Right? Wow. So, yeah. So it's a really nice crossroad that I've got there, whereas I've got the right versus the wrong with my one daughter and I've got the emotion and the logic, you know, intersecting that. And what's neat about that is and, and, and they fall all over the scale. They fall right. all over, you know, the scale there. But what's interesting is, be, you know, based on the situation or the event is they they pop up in my mind. And, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't pull my wife into the conversation in terms of she's my co-pilot. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, exactly. You know, we navigate this journey together. And in many ways we have the same compass in our hands. And, there, you know, there's times where we even call that out. So, really? yeah, so equipped with that, equipped with that, I also have this mantra that I have, you know, I've had for quite a while and it's so shines a good deed in a weary world. Mm, I like that. That's, that's a quote then. Yeah. It was, okay. it was actually something that, uh, it was in a Shakespeare play, The Merchant of Venice, mm -hmm. but where it really kind of hit me was the movie Willy Wonka, the one with Gene Wilder. Yeah, yeah. And it's one of the final lines in the movie. And it was maybe it was the moment both in the movie and in my life when I'd mm -hmm. heard it uh, that it made such, you know, such an impact on me. But from that point on, I really carried that with me. So shines a good deed in a weary world. And I tend to be an optimist. I tend to look for the positive in, in most things. And I'm not saying that I've got a pessimistic view of the world outside of my optimistic bubble. But, sure. But I am thinking about how do I show up in every situation in a positive way? And, and that, that, you know, having the moral compass of my two daughters in my hands, right, mm -hmm. that to me, that's my intrinsic motivation that I hold myself accountable to. Oh, that is a really great uh, internal tool, if you will. And, and I, like, I like the compass um, analogy, too, to, to make sure that you're you're pointing in the right direction. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, there's, there's many other voices at the table or in the room, uh, mm -hmm. but they're probably when, not when, as when loud as see, those three. Well, no, for sure. Absolutely. And I, I'm sorry to cut you off. When, when you say those other voices, do those come in the form of uh, experiences that you've had in the past that you, you call upon to, to shape 
um, how you might show up. Yeah, exa- exactly. And, you know, okay. it's interesting you say that is, you know, they're, they're all based on experiences. I can say friends and family members, right? You're reg- mm-hmm. you're regularly in the room at the table, Alex, uh, based <laughs> on all of our experiences and our conversations. And so it, there are some people who I've crossed their paths and maybe a word has not been spoken between us. Yet their reaction to something I did was not, you know, in alignment with how I'd want, wanted that particular message to be delivered. I don't even know some of these people's names, but I have this face of that didn't set right with that person. And I need to figure out, you know, why. So um, that's, that's a whole other, a whole other uh, conversation we can have. Yeah, but that shapes that that's part of the voice that shapes um, your wanting to be um, to show up in the world in a certain way. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So, so I've given you the, the backstory. I've pulled the curtain back on my internal conversation. I'd be interested in what it looks like for you. Sure. I appreciate the questions. For, for me, the internal dialogue. Absolutely. You, you know, you, you spoke to the significance of those special family members. And I've got, I've got those too. So absolutely. I love the way you, you um, cited your wife as the co-pilot. <laughs> I'm going to borrow that. Um, but I have um, a son and a daughter and it, it's quite different. I, you know, while I want to be consistent and I want to show up in a, in a, in a way that shines a positive light in, in their world um, you know, there's, there's my needing to show up for my daughter the way she needs me to show up. And then for my son, it's, you know, how is the way that I communicate and the way that I listen and, and my presence and, and hopefully my non judgment on mm-hmm. for both of them, but for him, how do I help him to become uh, a good man? Right. And, and so definitely those, those two pop up in my head as well as my wife. And I want to make sure that I, that I show up the way they need me to show up. Um, I liked the you know going a little bit further back to the example that you shared about your inner your inner dialogue um, and that driving force is you said we know ourselves better than anyone else and and so the one of the things that drive my internal dialogue and it's interesting because it's it's recent it's a recent sort of discovery my wife shared a quiz with me um, from Gretchen Rubin. So Gretchen Rubin wrote a book called The Four Tendencies. And from that, there's a quiz and the quiz helps you to identify your tendency, which is that you're either an upholder, somebody who questions a lot, an obliger or a rebel. And it the, the results of my test or my quiz was that I was an upholder. And what that means basically is that, you know, whether or not somebody's looking you know, back to your your race, the the obstacle race that you were talking about, um, whether or not somebody's um, paying attention to my effort or, um, like I said, who's looking, you know, I'm going to try to do the right thing um, for the intrinsic value of that, right? So, um, and, and my wife, when she sent me that quiz, guessed that I might be an upholder and, and uh, you know, that, that shows up. In, in a couple of ways in my life, um, you, you know, I'm a, I'm a drummer, you know, a musician. So I, whether or not it's my trying to 
become a better drummer or a better surfer, um, a better friend or family member, there's an internal something that's driving me from an accountability standpoint to, to, to show up in a positive way or however I need to show up um, if, just because it's that meaningful to me. You know, it may not, it may not be necessarily the way um, somebody who's taking notes might need me to show up, but it's, it's how I, I need to be accountable to myself. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I, when you had mentioned about you being a drummer, uh, you know, I have no musical inclinations whatsoever. <laughs> so I'm always extremely interested in this because you're, you're having to, you know, keep the beat right in many right. cases for the, the band. And, and, and so I'm interested in, you know, you took the, the test, I'm assuming, right? Yes. yes. And, and, did you did you come out and oblige her as as your wife had predicted you? Oh no, I can't. Oh, that I, I should have probably led with how I showed up. Oh, I, I scored the upholder, ah, yeah. which is um, you know that you're going to execute or you're going to uh, like for me. And, and you bring up the drumming, so I'm going to yeah. practice. I'm going to try to learn and chip away at something, um, not necessarily because of what's expected of me from from outside, but because of what because of what I want to accomplish. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I was the upholder in that one. (laughs) Yeah. And, 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 Oh, go ahead. Nope. I was just going to say is that, and that's exactly, you know, that's what I was thinking about the upholder of just holding that beat constant throughout a song. Again, not having any musical background myself, but I, I do, I am aware of that as being the role of a drummer in a band in most cases. For sure. Okay. Yeah, and it's you know what it, you know if we're gonna go with an analogy, <laughs> at the risk of being cheesy, uh, yeah, I guess there'd be there's a an internal drumming or beat going on that that I need to hold myself to, and I liked your example of the the obstacle course because especially with the burpees, you know, I I uh, I work out a lot and I I organize some workouts for some folks as well, and um, and. Uh, you know, I, I, I work out sometimes alone and, and it's easy. It's very easy to take the posture of the, the, the lady that, that are you sure I have to do this? And it's very easy to do that, but, um, I don't allow myself to do that. So there's, there's a very strong, I guess all this to say, Dave, that there's a very strong internal accountability. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so talking about that internal, accountability and that conversation then leads me into all right well then how does that then present itself externally and so yeah. i'm going to transition to 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 that you know part of the conversation it, great yeah you know i think that you know equipped with all of this internal foundational stuff you know i think we're we both come from a place where we can be pretty confident in our abilities to show mm-hmm. up for our audiences in, in the way that they need us more than anything. And I look at that, you know, I'll steal a phrase that you've, you've used a, a number of times uh, is being just non-judgmental. So there's got to mm-hmm. be a non-judgmental posture there that we can receive their message determine right what they need from us right and i think creating that safe environment also creates a nice 
community of accountability partners. And, you know, and it's nice because I'm usually going to call into that community people who have, you know, the same values and, and, you know, goals and norms and standards and ethics and and things like that. Mm -hmm. And, but I also do want to pull people in that are going to challenge me. Right. And, and so accountability partners, they show up in many shapes and forms, right? They can be a confidant, they can be a coach, they can be a trusted advisor. It could be family members, it could be friends. It could be a stranger who you cross paths with. And like I said, you know, they react to me in a way that wasn't in alignment in the way that I thought, you know, uh, they, you know, they were gonna react and now I'm gonna keep that with me. I'm just gonna kind of file mm-hmm. that away. And, mm-hmm. and I'll say I'd, I'd read an article from Forbes and it had talked about uh, how often people keep their New Year's resolutions. <laughs> <laughs> and we've all we've all seen that play out. Right. I think about, you know, going to the gym and the first couple of weeks after the new year, the gym is packed. And, right, you know, and then three, four weeks in, it starts, you know, weaning. And then, you know, by about, you know, March, it's the same regulars. And this study showed that people who do not have an accountability partner in this New Year's resolution or for whatever goal they've established, 90% of them, approximately 90% of people who do not have an accountability partner do not accomplish their goal. Hmm. Wow. Right. That's, that's the power of an accountability partner. And as I was mentioning, it's interesting how accountability partners, uh, you know, come in many shapes and sizes. And one recent interaction I've had uh, was a relationship born out of Uh, my coaching and mentoring within an entrepreneurship program for a local high school. Mm -hmm. And there are students that I'm talking to on a weekly basis as the program is going on. And I'm, I'm showing up for them in different ways. Some of them are just looking for communication skills. And so I help them in those moments. Some of them are trying to start a business. And I, I help them with some of the elements that go along with that process. Uh, but every so often, you, you make a connection with a student. And you realize, wow, I'm learning as much from this person as they're learning from me. And the, the, <laughs> the person I'm talking about, his name's Ben. And what was interesting is he's a graduated senior and he's getting ready to take on that next you know, phase in his life. And he'd reached out to me and said, you know, hey, Mr. Dudley, I'd like to talk to you. Just check in. I really just want to you know, talk to you about get some updates from you and how your endeavors are going and give you some updates. And it was awesome. Yeah. It was so neat because I then found myself as I got ready for our call, I was excited about the call. Uh, I was taking notes on updates for my projects. I was writing down questions or things that I was interested about him and his projects. And 
the, the neat thing about this, and I am a huge advocate of not discounting anybody based on their age, what generation, mm. their experiences, because by enlisting people from multiple generations and multiple backgrounds into my community of accountability partners, what that does, it gives me such a diverse uh, perspective of the world around me. And it allows me to connect with people, uh, you know, who from all walks of life. And, you know, and I, I just found that that has served me well, you know, both in an extended community, but as well with the people that I hold dear to me, you know, I'm able to show up for them, uh, you know, with multiple perspectives. Well, you know, if I could react to that, I feel like some of there's so much in what you just said and you're allowing non-judgment and and being present for multiple generations is, you know, that's that's chipping away at at legacy. And as it relates to accountability partners and and specifically what uh, what you and Ben have allowed to um, to grow, I guess my I have a question for you. It's it seems like Ben was proactive in setting up an accountability partner um, opportunity with you. Um, I imagine that, uh, well, I guess my question is, so that was, that was proactive effort. Um, can accountability partners show up in an organic way and, and maybe not necessarily where somebody's like, Hey Dave, I'd, I'd like you to be my accountability partner, but somehow that shows up and, and, or, or for you, like maybe you haven't reached out to somebody and said, I'd really like you to hold me accountable to this goal, but, but they, they're, there's somehow a, a level of accountability there. Yeah. You can't see this, Alex, but I'm, I've got a grin from ear to ear right now because I, <laughs> I agree with you and on so many levels. And I feel the least I can do is to introduce the concept of an accountability partner or community of accountability partners to a group of people. That's, that's mm-hmm. the least I can do. The right. next thing I can do is I can model what that looks like. And from there, mm-hmm. I'm ultimately just handing it over. And, and Ben was one of these, these students who early on, I could tell he was, you know, taking to this concept. He was looking to other students. He was looking to uh, his teachers. He was looking to other coaches and mentors who were walking into the room. And I could see he was building this community. And when I talk, we, we probably call it out. You know, so to your point is that we probably call it out more than he does in other conversations, but he's allowed <laughs> this organic growth uh, with those and he's cultivating that. And I feel like we're kind of gardening it together, um, you know, in, in a sense. So, so I, I think it happens in, in multiple ways, but I think the, the least we can do is we can introduce the concept and we can model it for people. And then from there, ultimately, you know, it's up to them to invest themselves into that relationship or see how this, this stuff, you know, takes root. So, so absolutely. And Ben sounds like a, a remarkable young man. So I, you know, I hope for good things for his uh, 
for the goals that he's looking for you for accountability on. That's awesome. Yeah, the student has definitely become the teacher here. So in, <laughs> in many cases. So how about you, Alex? Let me let me turn this back to you and and you and that external. Like, how does the external accountability conversation show up in your world? Yeah. Well, I'm going to lean on a quote that um, I go to for inspiration since I heard it. And it's, it's uh, something that I live by. It's a quote that I came across while watching a TED Talk that Jim Cathcart was leading. Mm-hmm. And the quote is, how would the person I'd like to be do the things that I'm about to do? And when you think about that, it, that first half, like how would the person I'd like to be well, if you really take that to heart, then you, that that will influence and drive your thoughts, okay, which is which are given more power when you put words to them, mm-hmm. which are given even more power when you add actions to those words. And then, you know, the habits that are built from those actions. I mean, it's just a, a snowball effect from your having taken seriously how the person you want to show up um, should or might conduct themselves, right? So when I look at when I considered this part of our conversation, the external conversation and accountability around that, Dave, it's, it's like any relationship or any interaction I have with somebody is an opportunity. And, and so it's how, how much do I, how much credence do I give that relationship? It's friends, it's family, it's coworkers, it's my, um, my bandmates, um, if, if I care about that relationship or if I maybe not even care, right? What if it's that I, I understand uh, the nature of that relationship? Well, then the account, the external accountability in that is how do I show up? And it, it could be, how do I show up? I love the point that you made. How do I show up so that there's mutual benefit from, from that interaction? Or how do I show up in the reality of that? that relationship right so maybe there isn't a mutual thing going on and and i just need to to show up and be for whatever that relationship is but you know that jim cathcart quote how would the person i'd like to be do the things i'm about to do drive um the the communication approach that i take and how effective i'd like to be in that yeah (laughs) oh my gosh alex so as you were saying that quote a couple of times I found myself physically looking down at my hand and what my compass looks like, right? You know, <laughs> what's the right and the wrong in a moment and what's the, the emotional and logical components of this decision. And yes. all right, before I take this step, right, how would the person I'd like to be do the things that I'm about to do. And then I take that step, you know, led, you know, led with the guidance of this moral compass. And I, I think that's great. I think that's a nice, you know, a nice mantra to have. I'm all about mantras. That's a whole other <laughs> conversation. Well, me too. Podcast, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's great. So, so here's the thing, Alex, based on everything we've talked about, there's a couple of points that I'm, I'm gleaning from this. Mm-hmm. You know, I think this whole concept of accountability, you know, starts with developing, creating an internal, uh, you know, a, a solid internal base to grow from, to hold 
ourselves accountable. That's where it starts. Mm. Then you start surrounding yourself with a community of mutually beneficial accountability partners. Next, you, you have to internalize feedback from those interactions. This will allow you the opportunity to recalibrate when necessary, uh, mm. which includes you know, working on opportunities for improvement, but also capitalizing on things that are going well. And then you repeat the cycle. To me, that's Absolutely. to me that I feel like that's a pretty solid strategy when it comes to holding yourself accountable. And so I'd, I'd be interested in your take or any ad, addition, additional perspective you'd have on that. Dave, I agree with your summation of the, the conversation. Absolutely. And I guess the only thing that I'd add is maybe a call to our listeners to consider their accountability partners. Are, do you, do you have any? And then if you do, uh, to what degree are they, are they serving you? So I, I really like the idea that you presented there with the accountability, accountability partners. And uh, it'd be, it'd be helpful, I think, for our listeners to consider that. Yeah, absolutely. Look at you, Alex, holding our listeners to be accountable to what they just heard. That's amazing. <laughs> All right. So I feel this is a good place to set this one down. How about you? Yes, sir. All right. Well, Alex, as always, it's been great speaking with you. Great to speak with you too, Dave.